Life can take us on unexpected paths that leave us with emotional wounds and scars. But these scars do not have to be a burden that we carry alone. I'm Jocelyn Biederset, a childhood sexual assault survivor, and this is Invisible Scars, a podcast where we connect and learn from those who have come out stronger on the other side of trauma. Today, I'm sitting down with Emmy Marie. She is a trauma survivor, certified trauma-informed coach, NARM practitioner, and educator with a mission to help others reclaim their power. Emmy helps clients globally to increase their sense of compassion, feel safer in their bodies, and move towards their intentions for life. I'm so excited for you guys to hear today's episode, so let's get into it. Emmy, welcome to Invisible Scars. Thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you so much for reaching out and having me. Yeah, I've been following you on social media for a while, and I just love what you're bringing to this space. Your own story is incredible, actually, and I would love if you would just tell everybody a little bit about you and what got you into working in the trauma space. Yeah, absolutely. So when I was in high school, so about 15 to almost 18, I was in an abusive relationship that was what you would commonly referred to as like a narcissistic abusive relationship. So a tremendous amount of emotional abuse and verbal abuse and some other kinds, all within kind of my first love. So it was this all-encompassing kind of obsessive and really enmeshed relationship. And yeah, these are like formative years when someone is kind of developing mentally and physically. And for that to happen at that time left me with complex PTSD. So I didn't know that at the time. I kind of left the relationship and really got the message of just like, okay, move on. Like kind of the advice you might get if you have like a generic breakup compared to something that is extremely traumatizing. So I just tried to kind of move on and move past it and let it go, um, but really ended up just sort of repeating the cycle in different relationships where I would just be attracted to men who were very emotionally unavailable or, you know, not receptive to me and just kind of in this push pull dynamic. And then anyone that really was available or was kind of consistently kind or present with me um, was very uncomfortable for me. And I kind of pushed that away. So I ended up in another long term relationship with someone that um, was just really dysfunctional, very um, non reciprocal, and, you know, not quite abusive, but also not healthy. Uh, and that went on for a couple of years. And I was really miserable that entire time, uh, but was constantly used to really shaming and blaming myself for any way I was feeling. So I really internalized everything and just kind of kept that pattern going where, yeah, I put it all on me to make myself happy and to make him happy. And so after two years of that, we kind of like something major happened and I got sort of the permission I needed, I guess, to leave. And after that was over, I had sort of an awakening where I realized, you know, I can't do this anymore. I need to fix my relationships. And at this point, I still wasn't really understanding that, you know, I had PTSD, not to mention, you know, complex PTSD. And I was just like, I need to fix my relationships. So that's kind of how my healing journey started, as well as I had really terrible eczema all over my body. So that was kind of another element of it where I sort of had the intuitive understanding that, you know, something about my experience had led to this, but um, going to allergists and doctors and stuff, just kind of getting 
steroid creams and, you know, it, it wasn't working. None of the treatment was working. So yeah, in 2016, this is all when this is going down. I was like 21 um, and sort of gave myself some space to breathe and stopped choosing these really dysfunctional relationships. And because I was now in more of like a safe environment, all my trauma symptoms really started to emerge. Um, so I started having really debilitating symptoms of trauma, like nightmares and flashbacks and intense anxiety and depression, coupled with this sort of sense that my identity was bad and that there was something inherently wrong with me. So all of that brought me to therapy. And then I started really, you know, diving into my healing work throughout like 2017 through 2018, 19. That was really like the biggest focus of my life at that time. Um, and then, yeah, I did a lot of work there and I always, you know, talk about how the healing journey is not over. I don't consider myself fully healed and like, that's okay. But in about 2020, I got to the point where, um, I was at a place where I could hold space for other people and realize that I could actually support other survivors, um, who are also on their healing journeys in a way that worked for me. And so I got certified as a trauma-informed coach and started my own business in 2020 during the pandemic. And I've been working at that full-time ever since and continuing to develop my skills and um, create lots of programs and lots of content and work with lots of people. And it's been incredibly fulfilling. That's amazing. Like, honestly, it clearly was your calling. And it's just like a true testament to how When you go through something so traumatic, when you come out and you have a bit of clarity, it almost is like a reverse gift, I guess, in a way where you're like, okay, this was actually my life's path. And if I didn't go through that, I would not be where I am. So it's hard. I always find it hard with my own journey too. I'm like, am I grateful? Well, I wish it didn't happen, but I also wouldn't be where I am, right? Totally. Yeah, it's really interesting because I definitely had a phase where... I thought it would be supportive to really see trauma as a gift and always be looking for the silver lining and all of that. And then that actually felt very bypassing and dismissive to the parts of me that were like, absolutely not. Like, I need to be really angry about this. And so now I'm at a place where I'm kind of able to hold both, where to me, it feels like more of a neutral thing where it's like, I don't have to look at this as a gift, but it is just reality. It's like, this is something I went through. It happened and it led me to doing work that is, yeah, like my life's work and feels incredibly close to my soul. So I'm super grateful for that. Um, Yeah. And it feels okay to kind of have both anger and resentment as well as gratitude for what currently is. Totally. Both can be possible at the same time, right? I love that. So, you know, as you're talking, and I think like people who are listening right now, when you're in the midst of that before you realized, oh my gosh, I, I have, I have experienced trauma. Like I have complex PTSD from this. When you aren't recognizing what's happening and these symptoms are showing up in your body, you know, for people who are listening, who are doubting what they've been through or doubting how bad it is, what were some of those symptoms that were showing up other than your eczema, which is clearly like an inflammation from trauma, right? Like we talk a ton about how it lives in the body, but I'm so curious what you experienced. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So it's really interesting. Like looking back, my symptoms were so unbelievably loud uh, as far as my mental health was terrible for years. Um, But I was just so used to it because in that abusive relationship, I was living in like a a perpetual state of terror. So if you leave that, anything feels better than that. 
pretty much. And like, I would have maybe like really dark, depressive days, but then I had tons of coping skills for that, which were typically drinking, doing drugs, ignoring it, like not healthy coping mechanisms, but I knew how to numb the pain essentially. So I just kind of didn't really understand the severity of the experience. So that's one thing, but then what was actually going on, um, I feel like on a kind of big picture scale, like I mentioned, I was repeating the same thing I had been through. So continuing to choose partners that reflected back to me that I was not worthy, whether because they were just not at a place to be a committed partner, and that's fine, like that's not malicious, but I was so like basing all of my self-worth in their approval. So that's kind of like a sign that wasn't mental health, but just more like what I was doing with my life. And then on, yeah, more of that mental health scale. Um, yes, oscillating between intense anxiety and intense depression. And then when the really true trauma symptoms started flaring up, I felt a really intense paranoia and just the sensation that I was never safe, that I couldn't do anything in the world to prevent harm from coming to me. And I always had to be watching my back. So there was kind of that obsessive, paranoid side. Um, and then there's a tremendous amount of shame of like constant, this constant inner dialogue of there's something wrong with you. Everything is your fault. You're a shitty person, whatever. Um, it comes out in a lot of different ways, but everybody yeah, hates really you, recognize, right? Yeah. Didn't recognize that as a symptom of a mental health condition. It just kind of was like, you know, the air I was breathing at the time. Uh, but now looking back, you know, putting all those pieces together paints a portrait of someone who was traumatized and conditioned to hate themselves. When I first found you and I was going through your website, I was actually floored by reading your About You page. And the I think everyone who's listening, go to Emmy's website and read that <laughs> because it honestly, mm. it's so beautifully articulated. I actually have chills right now talking about it, but Aww. there's a few things that really stood out to me and it makes me want to cry actually, because you talked about looking for danger everywhere. And you also talked about how like looking at the power you have as a survivor. And that just like stuck with me so much. And I would love if you could kind of explain to everybody what that means to you. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, this kind of concept of empowerment or specifically the power that a survivor holds came to me at some point in probably 2018, 2019, and really just stuck because I feel like so often within the realm of abuse and surviving any kind of hardship, including things like grief or, you know, any form of trauma, there is a big emphasis on strength. Um, and that didn't really hit home for me all the time because a big part of healing for me was realizing, okay, I don't always have to be strong. You know, I'm allowed to be weak now. And I, in fact, I have to be weak sometimes because me putting up this front that I'm so strong and I don't need anyone and I'm fine is leading to this huge void within me that's screaming for my attention and I'm ignoring it because I think I have to be strong. So I didn't really like that whole narrative of like the strong survivor. Not to say it isn't true. It is, but it just, it wasn't feeling right for me. Um, so I feel like 
power, it makes more sense to me where it's like, even on your weakest days where you barely want to live, you are still a powerful human being for surviving what you've been through. Like it takes so much, you know, inner will and I don't know, I don't even know to power, right? To make it through something that almost destroyed you, no matter what that is. And so I find like kind of having that as sort of like a concept or a pillar to inform my work and also just my own healing is really helpful because you can think like, what power do I have within me today to tend to myself even on my worst day or like when I do have more energy you know how can I use that power to make a boundary have a healthier relationship have a good work-life balance whatever like you can source your own inner power that and I also love thinking about how you know my abuser could have never taken that away compared to like he certainly weakened me like that's a fact right but he never took my power away permanently you know that that ended um so yeah i really like that concept and i just see it in everyone i work with so clearly that i'm like it's incredibly powerful that you're still alive that you're still doing your best that you're reaching out for help like all of that is so powerful even when you feel like you don't have an, a drop of energy left oh yeah and that is so that what you're saying in itself is powerful and honestly like mm. i'm a, like with the people that you're working with you know other survivors i even think for myself like what has happened breaks you down, like you said, right? It steals so much of you and you feel worthless. Yeah. And hearing those concepts of like thinking I do have some power in this is really uncomfortable in the beginning. And I'm sure you felt the same. Sure. Like it felt so bizarre because you felt so helpless and mm. useless and unworthy for so long, right? And it's a it's a bit of a process. Yeah, it's really interesting because I think everyone has their own way of kind of dealing with what's happened. And the way that I always tended to go to was that like, kind of, I mentioned like armoring kind of vision of strength. Like I don't need anyone. I'm not going to trust anyone. I'm good. You know? So for me, a lot of the growth has been not doing that anymore and actually like loosening up and softening and allowing other people to see me. And so for me, that's an expression of power um, and an expression of choice is like choosing to let people in instead of kind of going it alone. Uh, oh, yeah. totally. Yeah. I'm actually working on that myself right now. Like you said, like I yeah. don't consider myself fully healed yet either. It's definitely like a lifelong process of unveiling new things all the time. Right. And mine right now is literally just being okay with letting people in. It's okay for people to like yeah. be vulnerable for me to be vulnerable and actually like allow people into my life. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a beautiful thing, right? Hard, but beautiful. Totally. Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm very much the same way. And that's kind of one of the frontier I'm I've been on and I continue to, you know, lean into and try to do that. But it's interesting when it feels um impossible or you you can't use will like a lot of times i rely on my will and my choice and then you know i can't will myself to cry in front of someone else like my body is just like no so it's like i try to just respect that and honor that you know inner resistance and my body's kind of instincts while still trying to cultivate scenarios where i can slowly open up and like you know, it gets, it does get better over time. <laughs> oh, totally. And in all honesty, I think there's so much power in just being aware 
of what your blocks yeah. are and aware yeah. of what you want to let go of essentially, right? There's so much power in that. Even if you're not seeing huge strides immediately, it's the power of being aware of it will slowly unravel that knot. Yeah, right. Like having intentionality and totally um, and practicing kind of acceptance of where you're at as you yeah. You know, envision what you want. <laughs> love it. Yes. So I would love to know too. So now you're in this space where you are helping other trauma survivors. What honestly was your turning point? What made you decide, you know what, I want to take this to the next level and I actually want to give back and help? Because I I believe that that is just so true for many trauma survivors. They want to give back, they want to help. They're so empathetic, right? Right. Yeah. So I, yeah, never really imagined it would be possible for me because I always, right, have this perspective of myself as like, I'm a mess, essentially. Um, <laughs> yeah. And at the, and there's also the reality that like, it takes a lot of capacity to hold space for other people. And so a lot of times it's not about like, if you're qualified or not, but more like if you can even hold it. Um, so I just never really considered any of this as a possible option. Um, and then basically I created my Instagram account to be just like a online journal where I would share my creative practice every day. Cause in 2019 I was doing this creative challenge where I would do 10 minutes of creativity every day. Um, and so I just would go on Instagram. I created a new anonymous account and would just post it there every day. Um, and then along the way, you know, doing that for six months, I kind of discovered like what are like hashtags or whatever. I started using a couple of those. And eventually one of my posts kind of got found a little bit where some people were seeing it and um, responding positively to it. And that felt really great to connect with other people and feel like my words made a positive impact. And so I just kind of kept rolling with that. And um, I am someone that can be pretty like ambitious or like when I have a goal, like I'm like gonna like go for it. And so I started really intentionally trying to, you know, connect with other people on social media, but I didn't have an end goal in mind whatsoever. Uh, like in the back of my mind, kind of author lingered or just writer or something, but I'm like, whatever, like, I don't know. It's just, I'm just doing this. And then, um, yeah, along the way, I kind of learned about the coaching space and never really understood what that was and discovered there is such thing as a trauma informed coach. Um, and that was very exciting because I was like, oh, wow, like I, I could actually do this. Like this feels really in touch with my skill set of being, yeah, empathetic and compassionate and deeply caring about people. Uh, so I just kind of gave it a shot. Like I had the time with COVID happening and, you know, having space to be devoting to exploring this field. Uh, but really along the way, it just intuitively like in my body felt really right. Um, and, you know, I was careful about like, am I at a place where I can do this? But yeah, I got a yes when I when I would ask that question to myself. And also doing the trainings and stuff was uh, really fun for me because I had already been studying trauma and the nervous system for years just for myself. And so to learn how to apply that to a coaching relationship was really exciting. Yeah, so I'm really grateful I kind of stumbled upon this work. And honestly, it pro going through all those programs, it probably really helped you with your own healing journey too and unraveling things that you didn't even know you needed to unravel yet, right? 
Right. Yeah. It's interesting because like I am someone that's so intellectualizing with trauma healing. And so a lot of my work is trying to get more into my body. So the education piece is more to me just feels very interesting. But then when it would come to kind of the coaching skills, like we would do a lot of practice with each other in the group and, um, yeah, sometimes being the practitioner or being the like simulated client would, yeah, like teach me something new about how to engage with myself and um, my past and in a more, you know, curious way instead of such a like, find the problem, solve the problem. It was more yeah. like, let's just get to know it. Like, let's just learn yeah. more about it, which is so beautiful. So in October 2020, you actually became a certified trauma-informed coach through the ICF accredited program, and it's offered by Moving the Human Spirit. And then later became, is it NARM? Is that how you say it? Okay. Can you tell us about these programs and why you chose them? Yeah. So I went with the first one, the trauma-informed coaching certification, because that would give me the certification that I wanted to feel qualified to do this work in an ethical way. and also the skills, you know, I, I, like I said, already knew a lot of education about trauma and trauma recovery, but I didn't know how to translate that to a coaching relationship, you know, cause coaching and therapy are different. And I didn't want to masquerade around pretending to be a therapist cause that's super unethical and illegal. Um, so I wanted to make <laughs> sure I was within my, you know, the bounds of a coaching practice. So that program was excellent for that. There's a lot of trauma education in it, but also a lot of time spent on practical um, experiential practice with other members in the group. Uh, so that's why I did that one. That was kind of my first step. And then I went into NARM because it's focused specifically on complex PTSD. And so a lot of therapists are in that group. I would say it's probably 90% therapists. And then the rest is like a combination of like coaches, body workers, teachers, nurses, pastors. So they open up level one to folks who are not therapists, um, which is really wonderful because it's amazing information about how to support someone who's had developmental or childhood or complex trauma. Yeah. And then in the past year, I also have just completed the somatic attachment certificate from the Embody Lab. And so that's more focused on a combination of somatic skills, so body-based skills, and then attachment, which is kind of about um, the way that we bond to other people and the impacts of trauma on that. Um, which has been, yeah, fabulous. Like bringing more somatic skills into coaching has been really lovely as a practitioner and to just see the impact on clients is awesome too. Totally. Like this is for sure going to be your legacy. It's so beautiful. Mm, thank you. It's I amazing. That. Yeah. So for anyone who's actually unfamiliar with NARM, can you tell us what yeah. it entails and what that looks like? Yeah. Sure. So I'm going to do my best to, you know, recite this, but and it's going to be kind of how I apply it to my work. So if people really want yeah. like the nitty gritty, go look, go look at the website. Um, but yeah, so for me, it's kind of a four step process that isn't like a linear one, two, three, four, but more of a something you flow with during sessions. So the first step is asking for an intention from your client. So saying something like, what is something you're wanting for yourself right now? Or what feels like your heart's desire at this moment? And so it's really focused on the here and now rather than going back in time and processing trauma memories, which is 
way more of a therapy thing uh, with coaching. It's it's important for me to stay in the present um, while referencing the past and understanding its importance. So yeah, just getting someone's intention on what they're wanting, which could be something like, I want to feel more confident or I want to feel more peaceful or um, I want to have better boundaries or I want to communicate with my partner better or whatever. So the point of that is getting their desire instead of me trying to assume that or put an agenda onto them. And then the next stage is kind of talking about obstacles that are getting in the way of that. And so obstacles can be very internal, such as, you know, physical sensations you notice when you imagine that thing you want, or, um, you know, messages you're hearing in your head when you go to say that thing you want to say, uh, memories from the past that inform some of these obstacles, as well as external things like the environment you live in, the people you surround yourself with, um, all of that's really important too. And so we look at that with a lot of curiosity and compassion, and I'm certainly there to be very non-judgmental and just help someone feel more connected to themselves while in the presence of a safe person. Um, and then shifting from that into kind of solutions or self-agency. So allowing someone to feel connected to their choice, to see that they have a choice now, where in the past they probably didn't. And sometimes that choice is to just be present for four seconds with how you're feeling. Sometimes that choice is like to take a small action step outside of a session. Um, and once again, all of that is made to be accessible and not like me being like, go do this. You know, uh, it's never like that. Um, but I am there for accountability. If folks want, you know, someone to talk to that is aware of what they're going for and what they're wanting. And then throughout that process, there's a lot of like reflection where I'm kind of tracking how someone is describing themselves, seeing if there's any shifts with that or how someone's describing their goal. Um, just noticing kind of what's coming up in their body language and their tone in the actual things they're saying and sort of getting curious about those things, reflecting them back as well as celebrating positive steps forward and empathizing with, you know, hardships and yeah, hard stuff. Yeah, that's amazing. And honestly, like thinking about it, you know, as trauma survivors and people listening, a lot of us in the beginning, when you're in the midst of trauma and you're at the depths of those dark spaces, a lot of people probably don't even, when you ask them those intuitive questions of like, what do you want in this moment? I imagine a lot of them come to you and say, I don't know yet. And just for you to be able to sit with them and help them sort that out and be comfortable with going internally because that's scary, right? Because there's so many hard feelings that are in there and scary feelings. So I imagine a lot come in there saying, I don't know. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. I feel like the distinction between folks knowing me as a coach and kind of having a feel for my work, usually from social media, is I typically actually work with people who sort of know what they want yeah. um, because they might have already done a lot of therapeutic work where it's kind of what you're describing is just like a total like you know, fear of like going within or like, you know, stating a goal or something. Um, I definitely have people that, yeah, are like, I'm not really sure, but it's less of like, it's too scary, you know, and more of, I never really thought about it. Like I'm allowed to want things, you know, and that's something that's definitely like fun to play around with. Um, but yeah, usually people are pretty like driven, I guess, or are very yeah. clear, but a lot of times then it becomes more about clarifying, like, why is that thing actually important to you? Is it because you think you have to go get that? Or is it because you truly want that? And if not, what is it you actually want? So that's pretty That's amazing. 
Yeah, that is so interesting. So for anyone who's listening that wants to work with you or is interested in that, you know, what kind of um, programs do you offer? Do you work in groups? Are you one-on-one? What does that look like? Yeah. So I got a lot of stuff going on kind of all the time, which is fun because you can sort of choose what feels right for you. So I do one-to-one coaching and that is offered, um, you know, throughout the year generally all the time. Uh, I'm pretty flexible with it. So folks can book, you know, one session at a time, deciding on their pace that works for their lifestyle and just their goals. Um, And I offer like free discovery sessions. So if someone wants to like you know, connect about it first to make sure it feels like a good fit. We do that first before they sign up. Um, So that's an option. And then I have a couple of courses throughout the year. Right now, as we're recording this, uh, my relationships course is about to be opening for enrollment. And so that's really focused on folks who have had trauma in their past and they're noticing it's impacting their present day relationships, whether they're like in the dating process or it's more of like a familial friendship relationship or like, you know, a long-term relationship, a marriage, whatever. Um, so it's focusing on topics like trust, boundaries, communication, stuff like that. And then I have another course that I just closed, but um, is offered throughout the year as self-paced. And that's about reconnecting to your authentic self as a trauma survivor. And then I also have a membership group where every month we do a different workshop and we have like community group calls where we connect with each other and talk about the topics. And yeah, it's kind of like a support group, but more of like a coaching thing, I guess. But it's super fun. And it's been going on for almost two years and a lot of really good connections have happened there. So you do have a lot going on. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's a lot. It's fun. It's the way my brain works. I like variety, yeah. so it, it works for me. <laughs> That's awesome. So it for people who are listening, you know, if you could offer one piece of advice to anyone who's navigating, you know, like a traumatic experience, and if they're not sure where to start, what would you tell them? I feel like every time someone asks me something like this, it's a different answer. I feel like a combination of you're not alone. There's nothing inherently wrong with you. Your body and your mind are probably responding extremely appropriately to what you've been through because going through something traumatic, especially something that's long-term and ongoing, is something we are not really equipped to know how to deal with, especially while functioning, working, taking care of family, whatever. Like it's it's beyond what our bodies are supposed to be able to cope with. So however you react to that is nothing to be ashamed of. And there's a tremendous amount of resources available to you from people who are non-judgmental and have been there too. Um, so you're not alone. There is support out there. And yeah, I believe in you. I see your power. And um, yeah, you deserve healing and and comfort and safety. That's so beautiful. You know, looking at how far you've come from your own journey, I would love to know, and I ask this to every guest, but what was something you would tell or a piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? Mm. Oh dear. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So many things. I think the number one thing is you deserve to feel respected in relationships and that someone telling you how much they love you is completely inadequate if they are not treating you with genuine respect that all human beings deserve. I think that would cover a lot. (laughs) That would cover a lot. That is so powerful. I love that. Thank you so much, Emmy. Emmy, where can everyone find you on social media? 
Yeah. So I'm at Blooming with Emmy on Instagram and TikTok and Pinterest. And um, yeah, my website is emmymarie.com. And that's where you can find lots of free resources, blog posts, my podcast, and all my ways to work with me. Awesome. Yeah. It's a beautiful website. I loved it. I, Thank I felt you. like I got to know you so well. You did such a good job. Thank you so much, Emmy. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that today's episode provided insight, inspiration, and comfort to anyone who is dealing with the effects of trauma. Remember, you are not defined by your scars and you are not alone in your healing journey. If you enjoyed listening, please make sure to rate, review, and share this episode with a friend who could benefit from listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.